You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Thanks, living. Everybody say thanks, living. Under what? Under Jesus culture. Okay, so for those who have not maybe been around and what, where did we start from? Let them know. We started from the Jesus culture. And what is the acronym for the Jesus culture? West Jail. Okay, so let's start. W is what? Word. And then E evangelism and then s spirit life and then t divine timing and then g so that's what we are on giving our all that's thanks living living the life of thanksgiving is that okay okay so we believe that this is the culture that the christian must live we live the culture of thanksgiving. Our life is a response of giving thanks to God. So everything we do and everything we say and everything we think and our works is a response or are a response to giving thanks to God. So whatever you think you are giving God, it is because he already gave first. Praise God. Is that correct? Yes. He already gave so you are not the first giver okay you're not the first giver and that's why we don't live this christian life with an ownership mentality you see that actually is what is killing christianity the moment the believer has an ownership mentality they don't understand their faith everybody say don't have an ownership mentality. Please say it like you mean it. So what mentality should you have? You must have the stewardship mentality. Christians are stewards of the good gifts of God. So we are only caretakers and distributors so God gives us supply and we distribute. We take care of them and make sure. And that's why in Acts, we have read all of that and we have looked into all of that. Bible said that they gave so much so that no one had need. And there was no lack in the church. Because they had the stewardship mentality. Praise God. No, are you here with me? Yes. So it is very important to have that understanding. We looked at the case studies of a lot of churches. I mean, right from the church in the wilderness uh, through um, to the Corinthian church, the um, Ephesian church. Okay. Somebody was asking me, but pastor, we're reading 3 John and you are saying Ephesian church. 
is because you don't study your Bible. Because third John, John actually wrote those epistles to the Ephesian church. Yes. If I'm to speak about the Ephesian church, and that is the letters you read in the letters, that is Ephesian letters, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, they always talk about the rights and the benefits of the believer. Okay? Yes. And therefore, it doesn't fit into the context of what I'm teaching. That's why I didn't take that. Are you understanding me? Uh-huh. Okay? So I had to use the third John because that fits into a good response. Gaius was responding and living a life of thanksgiving. Are you getting the point? And Diometrius was not. He was a bad example and was trying to make people stop what they are doing for Christ. Are you getting the point in the church? So that's why we had to look at that from 3 John. Last week, we looked beautifully at the church of Laodicea. Is that correct? And you saw their indifference. And that's what Christ spoke about. And for those of us who think that church is not important, I'm sure you got to know how important the church is, the local church is for Christ. Because for Christ to write letters to the local churches and tell them their state and what they are doing right and what they are doing wrong, should tell you that he's interested in the local church. Because that's why he says when he comes, he's coming to take his church. And how do we train disciples? We can only do that in church. So church is key. Don't say, oh, I'm a Christian. And they tell, they deceive you. Oh, you can sit in, in the house and still worship God. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It is deception. It will steal you gradually away from Christ. Praise God. All right. So we, say, we saw that they were self-sufficient and therefore they were not spiritually. Yes, sufficient. They were spiritually bankrupt. And because of their wealth, because of their um, industry because of their popularity and all the things they had, their assurance were in those things. The assurance was not in Christ. Praise God. That is not the church we are. Oh, are you here with me? And because of that, they are not passionate about the things of God. When I see believers who are not passionate about the things of God, I wonder what they believe. Because actually, the name is that you are a bee. You are a bee. You are a believer. Believer of what? Christ. And therefore, when we talk about Christ, it must do something to you. Everything about Christ must shake you. Must move you out of your seat. Must get you do something. So if reading or studying your Bible is once a year, it tells you how you are growing. Because in life, what you feed is how you grow. 
The food you eat determines how you grow. Some of you want to slim, so you've changed your diet. Others want to put on. You have also changed your diet. Because you know what the diet will do. It will definitely have an effect on how you look. Are you a believer? When the believer feeds on the word, they grow and become like Christ. When the believer feeds on the world, they grow and become like the world. The church of Laodicea were indifferent about the things of God. They don't care. I'm sure in the church of Laodicea, they will come to church and sleep. Whilst the word is going on. It's just like a young man who is coming up and comes to church. I'm sure when they had nothing, when they were coming to church, they will come fast, pray. The moment they got something, now when they are coming to, they come to church and they are, they are preaching, the pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> because his bank account is satisfied. So I'm good. You lost essence. One investment, bad investment can take everything away. So if your worth is in it, you can kill yourself. I'm going to talk about a young man. Although now he's a father and a patriot, he's called Abraham. But then he was young. So don't think that, oh, as for Abraham, anytime we talk about him, it was because he was old. So he has seen a lot of things in life. That's why Abraham. No. Abraham was young. When he made a choice to just love God. Abraham grew out of the Babylonian family. But Abraham decided to love God. And he walked with God. Praise God. Genesis chapter 14, 17 to 23. So Abraham, who met God and loves God, worshipped God, grew up in a culture that didn't know God, but he made a decision to walk with God. And God told him, come out of your kindred, come out of that family, and walk with me. And he took this young man with him called Lot. And Lot was captured with his men, and Abraham had to go fight for Lot. And so this is where the account brings us. 
after Abraham had gone to fight and won the battle, this is what happened. And we're going to read and be clear about the story because there are a lot of interpretations regarding the story. As Abraham returned from his strike against Shedolauma, As a matter of fact, in the Greek, it's ke instead of che. So it's ke do la. As a matter of fact, the, in the Greek, it's also g, not o. G, lagma. So ke de lagma. Ke de lagma. And Kedalagma actually means the servant of the goddess Lagma. That's the meaning. And what is the meaning of Lagma? What does it represent? No mercy. The goddess that has no mercy. Shows no mercy. Don't you see this goddess represents something? Who shows no mercy? It's the devil. It's the devil. And the other kings at the valley of Shaveh. Actually, Shaveh, it means plain field, valley. A level ground. A level ground. It's more like the placement. That's where they were located. Are you getting the point? These other kings were located in that valley. The king of Sodom came out to meet him. To meet who? Abraham. Sodom means flaming, burnt pharaohs. It doesn't connote burning for glory. It connotes like burning in hell. An assembly of hellfire. To act violently. So these are the domain of Satan. And that's why Abraham had to go fight to redeem Saul and Lot and his men. Are you understanding me? From the goddess of no mercy. So when Abraham had brought Lot and his men, the king of hell came to meet Abraham. Get the story. And to negotiate with Abraham. Are you here? Uh, 
So you see the battle we are talking about. Look at the next. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So the king of Sodom. Get it. The king of hell. The king of the demonic fire. The king of the assembly, assembly of demons came to meet Abraham and the king of righteousness. Who rules in perfect peace also came on the scene. He doesn't have any genealogy. He just appeared and came on the scene. And straight away, Abraham knew there's a divine intervention. Listen to me very carefully. Melchizedek is not Jesus Christ. But Melchizedek is a figurative, a similitude, a pattern like Jesus Christ. He points to Christ because he did what Christ was coming to do. Are you getting a point? So he came in at this stage as the mediator. As the high priest. To mediate for Abraham. Are you getting the point? Because the battle that I am explaining to you. Is not the battle of just. Going to fight. And bringing people out of the battle. Like a physical fight. What? the story is talking about is the battle for souls. They took Lot into their kingdom together with his men so they will serve their kingdom. But Abraham said no way and Abraham went and fought them. I gave you the meaning of their names and brought Lot and his people out. So it's a battle for souls. You will see what the king will ask for. Look at the next. He said, Melchizedek, who was a priest of the God of what? Highest heaven. Because they were serving other gods. Are you getting the point? Okay. Brought him bread and wine. Somebody say mediation. Talking about the blood. Talking about the new covenant. Then Melchizedek did what? Blessed Abraham. What did he bless Abraham with? Look at it. Blessed Abraham what? With this blessing. What is the blessing? The blessing of the supreme God, creator of heaven and earth, be upon you, Abraham. Abraham, you are not going to receive of the gods of your family anymore. Now, Abraham, you are receiving 
spiritual impartation now from the God of the highest. Are you hearing me? That's the blessing. That's the blessing. So, look at Abraham. Watch this. Watch this. And blessed be God. Who did what? Who has delivered your what? Enemies over to you. You have Satan and his courts in your hands. They no more have dominion and power over you. Are you getting the point? You have been delivered out of their clutches. And then look. You see? Abraham responded. Did Melchizedek ask for anything? You see, Abraham is responding with thanksgiving. When the believer gets born again, redeemed from the clutches of the devil and his courts, he himself knows what God has done. And therefore, he becomes a giver. He's ready to give God because the honor is not his. The honor is for God. And so he knows that God has done so much and therefore he himself now decides to be a steward of God's blessing to give back to the God that has already given to him. Are you here? So Melchizedek gave out of free will. Not because you'll be cursed. Not because God will not bless him. The point is God had already delivered him. He didn't pay tithe for God to deliver him. Ah, Are you getting it? You didn't actually do anything good for Christ to save you. But when Christ saves you and you have fallen in love with him, you are ready to give your all. You see what Abraham did? That is what believers do. Believers have a responsibility to give not because they are asked to, but because they see the redemption as immeasurable. They don't even deserve it. Did Abraham ask Melchizedek to come? Melchizedek came by him. God sovereignly wants to bless you. That is God. He generously gives without looking back because that is his nature. Are you here? Yes. That is his nature. He doesn't wait for you to give before he gives. No. His nature is to give to you. 
So he just came and just blessed him. And told him what he has blessed him with. From now, Abraham, you will always receive of God. Watch this. The king of Sodom told him. Watch this. Just give me back my people who were captured. All he needs is their souls. All he needs are the people. But look at what Abraham said. He said, keep for yourself the booty stolen from my city. As for the things, keep them. Hey, wake up. Oh, wake up. When I tell you that this materialistic thing is a trap, you don't get it. You don't get it. It is a trap. We will keep the people. But you can keep the things. Abraham is rich because of what I gave him. The credit cannot go to you. I know what God gives. And I want what God gives. Not what the devil gives. You see what he told Jesus? In Matthew chapter 4. Look at the glories of the earth. Just worship me. And I'll give them all to you. It's the same thing. He's using to buy a lot of souls. There are many Christians in church. But they are sold out to things. What makes them laugh is things. And at the same time, what makes them sad is lack of things. There is, they don't know again the joy of our salvation. I heard somebody ask a question. Yesterday my wife sent it to me, Pastor Chris. He does questions and answers. And somebody asked that there are people in Asia who are facing death sentence. And he says, if they deny Christ, would they still be saved? And then Pastor Chris says something. He said, ah, I don't know that there's going to be a time when people will ask such questions. Because for most of us, We enjoy Christ when there are things. 
we enjoy Christ when it is good. But when there's persecution, we deny him. We don't know him. He said, he that denies me before men, I will deny before my father. When you face persecution and you deny Christ, you have forfeited your own salvation. How did you get born again? You acknowledge him in public. So how do you lose him? You only lose him because you denied him in public. It's as simple as ABC. Look at Abraham here. I will not be rich for you to boast that you made me rich. In other words, my fellowship with God cannot be exchanged with riches. Hey, are you here? Cannot. Cannot be exchanged with riches. My fellowship is more important to me my faith is more important to me than anything the world gives. That's a believer. These days, when you see a Christian jumping and shouting, and there's praises time and there's dancing, then they, they call it break. We don't dance no more because we are filled with the Spirit. And we are joyful in the Spirit. Reminiscing on the salvation that he has given us. That, that money cannot buy. And the gift of righteousness. And the gift to be called the children of God. And, and, and the gift of justification. Oh, that we have access to God anytime. The gift of eternal security. The gift of eternal rewards. No. It doesn't matter anymore. What matters? When the wedding bells begin to ring. What matters? It's when unable to get the child. What matters? It's when the contract goes through. Abraham said it clearly. What he means is, my focus is on our fellowship. And in our fellowship, he will give me stuff. Are you getting the point? Listen to me. So when Abraham believed God, and God gave him Isaac, when God asked for Isaac, did Abraham give Isaac back? Because he knew who gave him. When people think they have worked, 
and so hard that they got their money. When people take from the world and from the devil and you ask them to give to God, for them in their mind is my heart and money. Yes. Now, dear, when they go to church, when the church has to do something, and we all know it's for the kingdom, they would definitely give excuses because their heart is in their money. Look at the next. Watch this. All I'll accept is what these young men of mine have eaten. But give a share of the loot to Anna. Anna means doubtful. Give a share <laughs> to the doubtful. The guy is now growing. He doesn't know the God who blesses. So don't worry. He's still doubting. He said, they are my partners. Give to the doubtful. Are there some here? They can't wait. They are too desperate. They want to take. He said, hey, to them. Escol and Mamre. Escol actua means cluster of grapes, fruitfulness. Mamre means oak. Oak stands for holiness. Under the Mamre tree, God met Abraham. That's where the angels, the three angels visited and Isaac, that promise was delivered to them. The set apart. So he says, Anna, he's the doubtful. Escol and Mamre, the God who gives fruitfulness and sets apart. In other words, my partners, he said, my allies. Anna, Eskor, and Mamre, my allies, the doubtful one who doesn't know God's fruitfulness and God's holiness. Give to them. But very soon they will come to know the truth. And they will believe the God that blesses, that sets apart. That makes fruitful. Are you understanding me? Listen. When you know this God for yourself, nothing matters anymore. telling you nothing 
And it's a beautiful life to live. It's a glorious life to live. So when we talk about Abraham and his story as the father of faith, this is the journey. Abraham knew the pattern of the mediator, the Christ to come. And he found that pattern in Melchizedek. Are you getting the point? And then you see that in Genesis 15, that is where Abraham cut the covenant with God. Go and read Genesis chapter 15. Somebody say, my life is the life of thanks living. I respond to God not because I gave first because he gives first. I respond to him because he's the blesser and I am the re uh, re receiver of the blessing and any time he needs me to be a blessing I will not hold back my life is for him. Things that he gave me are for him and for his work. Look at this young man. The words of Agur, the son of Jacquet. Even the prophecy. Proverbs 30, 7 to 9. Look at what this young man said. I want all of us to read it. Go. Oh God, I beg two favors from you before I die. Watch this. Watch this. So, 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 the <laughs> The guy is hanging in between life and death. And between life and death, these are the favors he's asking of God. Continue. First, help me never to tell a lie. Hey. Hey. <laughs> okay, second. Give me neither poverty nor, nor riches. Uh -huh. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may become content. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this carefully. You see, charismatics have a way of explaining Bible. 
So the faith regime people who think that they are operating faith, but operating materialism, who say this is a bad prayer. Paul says, for the level of truth you have received, handle it and use it until you get to the next level. You see, this young man knows his level. You see, this young man knows that if he gets riches, it will take him away from God. And his relationship with God in his journey into transition for him is key. Bef I beg you two favors before I die. So, I can't allow riches to take you out of me before I die. And to be able to still have you. Let just me have my needs met. So I'll not be led into the temptation of getting out of you. If you have somebody else who has been able to overcome how to handle wealth. And they say, God, give me more so I can be a blessing to. That's also a good prayer. <laughs> but listen to me. For most of us who pray that prayer, ask yourself that now, with the letter he has given you, how much do you give? Am I explaining scripture? Listen, let's be, be truthful to yourself. Ask yourself in your budget, how much now do you spend on your last? Oh, ask yourself right now. Ask. How much do you spend on your last? And how much do you really spend to help the kingdom and humanity? Even with the little you have now. That you can truly pray the prayer that Lord bless me to have more. So I can be a blessing to others. And if I'm too poor, you see the guy? That's an honest guy. If I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. I love this guy. I, I love this guy. Can you see what the young man is protecting? His fellowship with God. Is his interest. 
That is what matters to him. Nothing more. Nothing more. Nothing more. Jeremiah 17 10 says, Only the Lord knows. He searches all hearts, examines the deepest motives, so he can give to each person his right reward according to his deeds and how he lived. David said in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Can you see, can you see the echo? Hear, sorry, hear the echo of all of these guys and the kinds of prayer they were praying. What takes their hearts is the sound of eternity. What tickles their emotions? Is the bell of eternity. It keeps ringing. We love the fellowship with you. Set my heart. Set my thoughts. What is making you sad? Help me out. Lead me the path of eternal life. Is that your prayer? Is that your heart and your motive? Give me revelations. Let's all read Revelations 12, 10 to 11. Go. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has happened at last. Oh, God's salvation and the power and the rule and the authority of his Christ Oh, praise God. If there is a shout, do you hear the shout? Promotion is here. <laughs> Money is here. Look at the shout. Everybody, go. Then I heard what? A loud voice shouting across what? It has what? Happened at last. God's salvation and the power and the rule and the authority of his Christ are finally here. You see, when he was telling them to pray the prayer, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what he's referring to. <laughs> when he said, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, that's what he's talking about. This is it. The dominion of God is now on earth. The rulership of God is now on earth. Now let's read, go. For the what? 
of our brothers has been what? Thrown down from heaven to the earth. So you see our you see our understanding of theology. You see our understanding of theology. So somebody say, why would you do that? He threw the devil down. And he knew that we we're going to suffer. Before he will come down, his rulership was over the earth. I will teach Genesis. And I will bring you light to this. Look at the next. Go. He accused them what? Day and night. So you see it's in past tense. He accused. Now he cannot accuse you. Oh, are you here? You see, these are the things that should make you glad. These are the things that should satisfy your heart. You are no more cursed before God. The devil cannot accuse you before God anymore. You are the righteousness of God. You are accepted in his beloved. How did it happen? Go. They defeated him. Mm -hmm. By what? The blood of the and by their oh hallelujah. How did you defeat the devil? By the blood of the lamb and by your testimony of this blood. Are you understanding me? By the work that was done and by your testimony of the work. That's how you got saved. You acknowledge the work of redemption and you testified. That's how you got saved. Are you understanding me? But look at the next. Look at the next. Look at the follow-up. Look at, look at the attitude, the mentality. When, when we get saved, what should be done? What we should be doing? Are you getting the point? Look at it. He says, go. For they what? Did not what? Love their lives. But what? Lay them down. That when you get born again, you no more love your life. You cannot be arrogant and be proud of sin. You are shy. You don't love it anymore. They don't love their lives. It means nothing to them. They take on his life. Lord, your life is now my life. Are you here with me? So first you can boast and say, Charlie, you know, how I outsmarted them. And you are proud of it. Now even when you do it, you don't feel good. 
Is that correct? Because you don't love your life. In the same way, when you mean to use this money, <laughs> and he says, I need it. You see whether you love your life. Oh, are you here? Yeah. You see? You love your life. You want to buy the latest. You know the latest? Yes. Whether it's a car, whether it's a shoe, whether it's a bag, in vogue. Mm -hmm. And he says, we need it. Mm. I'll see how you would react. They no more love their lives by lay them down. Praise God. Grace, glory is grace. Grace, glory is grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.